This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What a spectacular day you have made for us to enjoy, and we've come to say thank you. And how thankful we are that each of us is fearfully and wonderfully made by you. Thank you. And we're so thankful that when we had gone astray and messed everything up, Jesus, you came and lived and died, and hallelujah, rose. Your tomb is empty, and that changes everything. Your resurrection brings hope to everyone here and to every situation that we face. Thank you. We bring our needs to you because we are a needy people. You know our needs, meet our needs. And as we open your word together today, teach us how to pray. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you could ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would you ask him to teach you? Uh, I mean, as a pastor, I'm thinking, wow, I'd love for you to teach me how to share my faith more effectively, or, or I'd love for you to teach me how, how to resolve church conflicts. When people can't get along, how can, how can we resolve those? Now, I know some of you are saying, I got it, Smiley. I would ask him to teach me how to turn water into wine. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet, wouldn't it? Or the surfers here were saying, hey, how about if you teach me how to walk on water? That'd be sweet. Everybody else is paddling out through the lineup, and I can just walk right out there. Wow. Now, it's interesting. If you read the Gospels, there is only one thing the apostles asked Jesus to teach them. They said, teach us how to pray. Isn't that interesting? The one thing the Bible records the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was teach us how to pray. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus teaches us how to pray. Um, And and you might say, well, why would they ask that? So before we get to where we're going to spend most of the time in Matthew 6, we're going to take a couple little stops on the way there to set this up a little bit. Um, I, I believe that one of the reasons they ask teach us how to pray is they could tell the prayer was very important to Jesus. And so in Luke 11, we read, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. There it is, just as John also taught his disciples. Now, The disciples, they could tell that prayer was important to Jesus, so they said, teach us how to pray. And it's really interesting, if you'll read the Gospels and look at how important prayer is in Jesus' life, like I love this verse in Mark chapter 1. This verse reminds me of a mother with lots of little children, and she just wants a few moments alone, so like she tries to go take a shower, but the kids are always busting in and interrupting the time. You ever had that experience, moms? That's what Jesus was like. He was always looking for some time to be in prayer, but the disciples were always interrupting him. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And the very next verse says, Simon found him. (laughs) Now, Look at, look at the emphasis on that, how hard it was for Jesus to carve out the time to spend in prayer. You ever find it hard? Notice what it says. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house. People were always pressing in on him and went away to a secluded 
place and was praying there. And so here's the question, why was prayer so important to Jesus, right? I mean, he tells us to follow me, right? But why was prayer so important to him? And, and it seems to me the first reason is because Jesus loved the time with his Father. And he loved the time with the Holy Spirit. From all of eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had lived in perfect fellowship. And, and he loved those times with the Father and the Spirit. Let me ask you, do you love time in prayer? Do you just love that time you're with the Father and the Son and the Spirit like Jesus said? Do you? The second reason I believe Jesus really sought out prayer is because his mission was hard, wasn't it? I mean, are you kidding me? He had to be perfect. And if he sinned one time, he would have failed. And as time moved on, the pressure increased. It was hard, wasn't it? So Jesus prayed because his mission was hard. Not only did he need to live a perfect life, but uh, he was training his disciples. And could we say they weren't showing much promise? We could say that, right? He also was going to entrust the mission to these guys who weren't showing much promise, so he prayed for them. And then looming over his head all the time was at the end of all this, what was there? What? The cross. And so he prayed. Man, do we have difficulties in life? Do, do we bring our burdens to the Lord like Jesus did, do we? And then lastly, I, I, uh, thirdly, there's probably a lot more reasons, but the third reason I thought is Jesus is modeling for us the importance of prayer. Uh, Jesus wanted to go first and go farthest, and so he's praying so that he can teach us how important prayer is. So back in Luke, they, they asked him the question. They said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John did. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Uh, by the way, is that true of you? H have you forgiven those who've wronged you? Uh, and, and then he says, and lead us not into temptation. Now, I think a lot of you will say, well, that sounds familiar, but a little different. Uh, the reason it sounds familiar, it's a lot like what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's not exactly the same. It's, it's a little shorter. Uh, so when they said, teach us how to pray, here's what Jesus said. But we're going to spend our time in Matthew 6 with the version of this that we're more familiar with. Now, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Actually, next Sunday, we're going to read what's really the Lord's Prayer. But what we call the Lord's Prayer might be the family prayer or the disciple-making prayer. But we'll go ahead and call it the Lord's Prayer because everybody else does. So Jesus teaches how to pray, and Jesus said, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, we're going to walk through it. Uh, phrase by phrase, starting with our Father who is in heaven. Uh, when we say our Father who is in heaven, that raises two important questions, two important questions. Who am I and why am I here? You ever wonder those questions? <laughs> who am I? Why am I here? 
Because when it starts with our Father, I want you to know all people can't say that, our Father. The Bible does not teach that God is the, is the Father of all people. The Bible teaches God is the maker of all, but he's the Father only of those who believe in Jesus. Let me show you that. In, in um, John chapter 1, uh, verse 12, we read, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So the only people who can really pray our Father are people who have believed in Jesus. Have you? Now, what will smiley if, if God's not the maker of all, what is true of those who don't believe in Jesus? Well, the bad news of the gospel is that we were children of wrath by nature. That by nature, we're not children of God, we are children of wrath. That each of us has inherited from our parents a sinful human nature. And because of that, each of us has perfected our own style of sinning. Some of us, our sins are on the outside, aren't they? They're visible to others. They're, uh, that we're lie, we lie and steal and abuse alcohol and drugs. But others of us, our style is more on the inside. It's pride. It's self-righteousness. It's that we don't love God with all of our heart and soul and mind, and we don't love our neighbors ourselves. But the Bible says by nature we're all children of wrath. With sinful natures, we sin against God over and over again, and we deserve God's wrath. And you say, well, what do we do? That's the good news. The good news is the Son of God came to save us, that God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to seek and save sinners, to save children of wrath, so that children of wrath could become children of God. So God the Son puts on flesh, Jesus is unique, fully God, fully man. And he does for us what we couldn't do. He lives a perfect life for us. You need to know it wasn't easy. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And being without sin, then he could go to the cross and become our substitute. Since he had no sin, he could take our sin. Here's what happened on the cross. Jesus, who was without sin, became a child of wrath so that you and I, who were children of wrath, we could become children of God. He takes our sins upon himself, dies in our place. That's why he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's experiencing the wrath of God for us. He pays for our sins in full. On the third day, he rises from the dead, proving he had conquered sin and death. Because death is the penalty for sin, and having paid it in full, Jesus walks out. And then he offers to us eternal life, forgiveness, the opportunity to do life and eternity with Jesus and for Jesus. And he offers us the opportunity to become children of God. And you say, well, what's our part? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The reason I can say our Father who is in heaven is not because I'm good, because I'm not. It's because there was a day in my life where I believed in Jesus. And if you haven't, won't you today? We love to say believing in Jesus is as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. There was a day in my life where I admitted to Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? 
There was a day in my life where I believed in Jesus. I said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And if you haven't, won't you? And there was a day I committed to Jesus. I, I put my trust in him instead of me. I committed my life to Jesus by receiving him as my Savior. Jesus, come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? And I want you to be Lord of my life. From this day forward, as you lead me, I'll follow. And won't you do that? But as many as received them, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So believe, and for all of you who believe, what that means is you're a child of God now. You're a child of God, and what that means is we can now pray our Father who is in heaven. So who am I? Who am I? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Why am I here? Why am I here? The moment we believe in Jesus, he says, welcome to the family of God. He says, in this family, we have a father, a heavenly father. Welcome to the family. We have a father. And Jesus says, in the family, I'm the big brother. I'm the big brother. You follow me. You getting it in the family? In the new family, there's a father, a heavenly father, a big brother. Jesus says, follow me. And there's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit assures us, he's the one that assures us that God is our Father. He's the one who's always whispering into our ear, follow your big brother, follow your big brother. And when we're a part of the family, Jesus says, welcome to the family. My Father has a big, big house with lots of room, and he wants it filled with people. And so when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left his church on earth and his last command was to go and make disciples who, who make disciples who make disciples of all the world so the Father's house is filled. Uh, he meant you and me. It was for all of us. I want you. The reason you're on earth is I want you to make disciples who make disciples so my Father's house is filled. And we've been asking the question, well, then, what is a disciple? And we've been saying a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And, and well, what would it look like if we followed Jesus? And we said, well, it means that we would love Jesus. Do you? Do you love Jesus? That we would love one another. Do you love one another? That we would love the lost and be moving toward them and inviting people to come to Jesus. Do you? Um, and listen, if we are going to love Jesus and love one another and love the lost, then prayer is going to be an important part of our life. So Jesus teaches us how to pray. Now, we've been learning that Jesus wants all of us to be disciples and disciple makers. And, and that means responding to four simple invitations that he gives us that we all start out lost. And he says to us, come and see. And someone invites us to come and see Jesus. And when we see him, we believe in him. And then we move to chair two, we become a believer. And when we're a believer, Jesus says, follow me, follow me. And as we begin to follow Jesus, then we become a worker where he says, fish for men. I want you to go and bring others to me. And, and then after a while, as, as workers, we become disciple makers where he wants us to bear much fruit. So I want you to see where prayer really fits into that. When we believe in Jesus and he says, follow me, there's some practices we need to begin to develop. And so we spent two weeks and looked at the Bible. We looked at the Bible and saw how the Bible is God's word and how important it is that a disciple loves the word. And because I ask you to, I'm sure you've been doing that this week. Right? You've been reading the word and praying the word and, and sharing the word. And so this morning we're going to learn another important practice we develop is prayer. Prayer is really, really important, and that Jesus teaches us how to pray. Um, now, 
This is really important. Jesus gives us prayer because Jesus gives us a mission. Jesus gives us prayer because he gives us a mission. And in John chapter 15, the last night Jesus is with his disciples, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. No one else wanted me, but Jesus wanted me on his team. Is that great? Now, now notice what Jesus says. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a mission for our, our life. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Notice that. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Before I met Jesus, everything I gave my life to was going to, wouldn't last forever. But now, with Jesus, I get to give my life to something that lasts forever. People are forever. When we give our life to his mission of making disciples, we're investing our lives in something that will last. Do you hear that? That you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Now notice, because we have a mission that really, really matters of making disciples who make disciples, he says, now I'm giving you prayer so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Whatever you need to carry out the mission that I'm leaving you with, you ask the Father in my name and he'll give it to you. So that's what, that's what the Lord's Prayer is all about. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about. We start out with our Father who is in heaven. Who am I? I'm a child of God. Why am I here? I'm here to make disciples. What is prayer? It's, Jesus has given me prayer because he's given me a mission. And if our mission is to make disciples, what are the things that we pray for? We start with his name, don't we? We start with his name and we pray, hallowed be your name. We pray that we would exalt his name. When we pray, is that what we pray? Oh, Jesus, may we exalt your name. And, and, and you, you know why that's so important? In Acts 4.12, we read, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no under, other name under heaven uh, that has been given among men by which we must be saved. What should drive our prayers is that we want every person in our community and every person on the world to hear the name of Jesus because there's only one name by which people can be saved. There's only one name that's a cure for death. There's only one name that can free people from all those things that have broken our world. Is that what we pray for? Oh, Jesus, may your name be exalted. May those who have never heard your name, may they hear your name, may they believe and be saved. And then do we pray that those who know you, Jesus, would love you and treasure your name. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Do you? Is that what we pray? That people who don't know him would know him and that those who know him would love his name, treasure his name above every name. Do we? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. You know why? 
because he first loved me. Oh, is our prayer, is our prayer that his name would be exalted and that the lost would be saved and that his people would remember, remember how precious his name and we would love his name. Uh, we start with his name and then we move to his kingdom. You see, it's not our kingdom we pray for, it's his, isn't it? We pray that his kingdom would be expanded, your kingdom come. Is that how we pray? Oh, Jesus, may your kingdom be expanded. And, and you say, what? Well, well, the gospel that we preach is, is called the gospel of the kingdom. N notice what the Bible says, or what Jesus himself said, this gospel of the king. We have a good news about a king. His name is Jesus. And so we pray that more and more people would hear the gospel and they would surrender to King Jesus and choose to do life with and for King Jesus and do eternity with and for King Jesus. Oh, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. Do we pray that the gospel of the kingdom would spread and more and more people would enter his kingdom? And do we pray that those that are in the kingdom, those that have bowed before King Jesus, that we would follow King Jesus more and more because that's why his kingdom is here on earth, not just to witness in word, but in deed, that people would see in our lives a little picture of the kingdom when it comes in all of its fullness and they would say, I want to be a part of that kingdom. Is that what we pray? Oh, Jesus, today may I have opportunities to, to share the gospel of the kingdom. May I this day make the kingdom so beautiful to others that they want to know King Jesus. Oh, it's about his name and his kingdom and his will, not ours. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, prayer isn't kind of twisting God's arm uh, to do what we want near as much as we're taking our twisted hearts and trying to line it up with, with God's heart, right? Um, and you say, well, what would it look like? What would it look like to do God's will on earth as it is in heaven? We don't have to wonder that, do we? If we want to know what it looks like for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, all we need to do is what? Open up the Bible and what? Look at Jesus, isn't it? Because isn't he the one who did God's will on earth as it is in heaven? Isn't he the only one who did? Do we look at his life so that we would know how we could live and should live? Is he really our model for life and for ministry? <laughs> oh, um, one of my favorite passages in John chapter 4. Um, I mean, could we say we live in a divided world? Could we say that? Jesus' world was too. And this is, such a, this is exactly what everyone in our culture and world needs. It's exactly what happens here. Jesus goes through Samaria. Jew, Jews didn't do that. He talks to a woman. A Jew wouldn't do that. He talked to an immoral Samaritan woman. Listen, people didn't do that. And yet he wins her to Christ. She comes to believe in Christ. And then she goes into her city of Samaritans. And she says, come and see Jesus, come and see Jesus. And the whole village comes to see Jesus. So the disciples, they try and offer Jesus food. And listen to this, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. 
What does it look like to do His will on earth? Isn't it Jesus? He said, I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. He said, what brings me joy, what feeds my soul is to do what my Father wants me to do and to accomplish His work of making disciples. Look, look at what's happening. So two weeks ago, two weeks ago I shared how Jeff sent me a uh, Jeff sent me a text, best Valentine's Day ever. I had a chance to lead someone to faith in Christ. It was so good. Last Sunday, Bob stood on the stage, didn't he? What did he say? He says, my food, what? It's to do the will of my Father and to accomplish His work. Didn't he? He said, man, it was, I had this most amazing experience where God arranged for me to share with this guy, and he came to faith in Christ. It was amazing. This week, I'm in a restaurant with one of our members, a lady named Jackie. Now, I'm going to be careful here. Let's just say Jackie is older than I am, okay? That would be a fair statement. This lady is more alive than almost anybody I've met because she loves Jesus. And her food is to do the will of him who sent her and to accomplish her. Smiley, I was on a trip to Michigan. You won't believe what happened. I was on an airplane. I shared the gospel with this lady. She came to faith Christ. I was sitting in an airport. I was sitting in an airport. I had a chance to talk to this lady, and I led her to faith in Christ. It was the most amazing vacation ever. In a time in life where so many people are waiting to die, Jackie is having the time of her life. Imagine if that was true of all of us. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Way to go, Jackie. Way to go. We rejoice with two people who came to faith in Christ. Oh, man. Can you imagine how different our prayer would be if that was our prayer? <laughs> our Father who is in heaven, it's about your name, not ours. It's about your kingdom, not ours. It's about your will, not ours. And then Jesus said, as we're carrying out our mission, anything we need to carry out the mission, just ask. And so we pray. We pray for provisions, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Only we live in a time where people say, I don't eat bread. It's got carbs. <laughs> or gluten. <laughs> hey, I have a son who has celiac. I get gluten, okay? But listen, to a Jew at that time, bread was life. Bread was life. Um, Jesus taught us to pray, give us everything we need in life so that we can accomplish our mission of making disciples. <laughs> That's what we're to pray. You see, we're to pray that God would meet our needs, not just so we would be happy, but so that we could carry out our mission. So we pray for provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray for pardon. We pray for pardon, don't we? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We experience forgiveness daily, and we grant forgiveness daily. I mean, when kids are little, you have to make them get in the tub, right, or take a shower. But as we grow and mature, we learn what? How to cleanse ourselves, don't we? And it's really important. If we're going to be disciples and disciple makers, it's important we learn how to cleanse ourselves, how to take a bath, how to confess our sins, right, and stay clean. And yet, it's also important that we learn how to forgive others. 
Number one reason pastors leave the ministry, do you know why? Bitterness, an unforgiving spirit. They became a pastor and they began to serve and they were criticized and hurt and disappointed and let down and they become bitter and they quit. It doesn't just happen to pastors. It happens to people all the time. They get involved in the church. They get hurt. They get disappointed. So let me tell you something. If you give your life to disciple making, you will be hurt, disappointed, and let down a multitude of times. And the only way you will ever stay in the mission is to do exactly what Jesus asked us to do, to take time every day where we experience our cleansing and then we grant forgiveness to others. Don't let bitterness sideline you. Pray for pardon. Lord, cleanse me and help me to forgive. And do that daily. And then lastly, we pray we pray for provisions and for pardon, and we pray for protection. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, as Christians, maybe you're new here, as Christians, we believe evil exists. And, and, and if you're not a Christian, I would ask you, how could anybody live in the world we live in and not believe that evil exists? But what Jesus says is we're carrying out our mission of making disciples, we're doing so behind enemy lines. And we recognize that people far more godly than all of us have wrecked their lives. And because we don't want to wreck our lives and we want to stay in the mission, we pray for protection. And so we say, keep us from falling into temptation, stepping on landmines, and protect us from evil, the evil that's in us, the evil that's around us, and the evil that's above us. Let me explain that a little bit. <clears throat> The greatest evil we face is inside of us. It's our flesh. It's the arrogant spirit inside of us that thinks we can run our lives better than others. That is our greatest evil to be delivered from, is from that sinful nature we were born with, no longer in control, but still there, that actually believes that we can run our lives better than Jesus. Deliver us from ourselves. Then we pray, deliver us from the evil around us, the evil around us. The Bible says that that's the world, the world. And I love the J.B. Phillips. It says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We live in a world that's always trying to squeeze us into its mold. And we say, Lord, deliver us from the evil of the world, squeezing us into its mold. And you say, well, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Last week, I'm sharing the gospel with a lady and she says, Smiley, do you believe there's only one way to God? At that moment, you know what I felt? I felt the world. I felt the world squeezing me into its mold because I know, I know if I affirm what the Bible teaches, I'm going to hear the sneer, right? And don't we fear the sneer of the world? How can you be so narrow-minded and so bigoted, right? So I've learned, uh, I mean, deliver me from evil. And what I like to say is, you know, it really doesn't matter what I think. But I'd love for you to read what Jesus says. And I heard her read John 14, 6. And I want you to know Jesus is convinced there's only one way to God. And I tell you, when someone asks me, you know, Smiley, well, what do you think about marriage? I feel the squeeze of the world. Do you? Man, I do. And can I tell you, I'm such a coward. There's no bigger coward in the room for me. That's why I pray, deliver me from evil. 
of the world squeezing me into its mold. And again, I would love to say, you know what? What I believe about marriage doesn't matter a bit. But I would love for you to read what Jesus says about marriage. And do you know what Jesus said about marriage when he was asked? Haven't you read that God created them from the beginning, male and female, and said for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's what Jesus said. Does it really matter what I think? Oh, man. We pray. Why? Because it's hard to carry out our mission behind enemy lines. Deliver me from the evil within, the evil around, and the evil above. There is a devil, and he's a deceiver, and a liar, and an accuser. And we're invading his territory, trying to set prisoners free. And so we pray, Lord, deliver us and set this person free. Oh, man. Our Father who is in heaven, I'm a child of God on a mission. Imagine if we prayed to, to exalt his name and not ours and to expand his kingdom and not ours and, and, and to do his will and not ours. And carrying out that mission, we prayed for provisions and for pardon and for protection. So Jesus teaches us how to pray. But, but here's what I want you to do. The action step for this week is I want you to pray the Lord's Prayer. I want you to pray the Lord's Prayer this week. Now, many of you know the Lord's Prayer. Um, so simply pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, many of you don't know the Lord's Prayer. What I would encourage you to do is to open your Bible up to Matthew chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible, go buy one. Best money you'll ever invest. It's the Word of God. Uh, so so re just pray Matthew 6. Pray it. And if you'll pray this prayer for a week, by the end of the week, you'll know it. Again, many of you get up and spend time with Jesus. Way to go. Make a part of your time this week to pray the Lord's Prayer. Some of you don't have time with Jesus. Well, why not wake up this week and pray the Lord's Prayer? What a great way to start your day. And then throughout the day, when you think about it, maybe you're driving in the car, or maybe you're stressed, or maybe you're at a meal. Pray the Lord's Prayer again. Let me share with you why I love the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's short, and it's simple, really. I mean, you hear about people and they tell you they spend three hours a day in prayer, right? And you think, man, I'm just such a spiritual midget. But when the disciples asked Jesus to pray, isn't it interesting? He taught them a prayer that takes 15 or 20 seconds to pray. None of us have an excuse not to pray. It's short and it's simple. You ever been maybe in a small group with someone and when they prayed, they like have a doctorate in prayerology? And you said, man, I'm not praying after that person prayed. <laughs> but I love the Lord's Prayer. It's so simple. Even I can pray it. And you can too. Oh, listen, it's short and simple. I love the Lord's Prayer because it's comprehensive. It's comprehensive. I have been with people. And one cliff people fall off of is they always pray for themselves like there's nobody else in the world. You ever been around someone like that? But the opposite one is people who always pray for others as though they didn't need Jesus themselves. Did you notice in the Lord's Prayer, it's so comprehensive, we pray for ourselves because no one in here needs Jesus more than I do, but I pray for others too. Did you, did you see that? I mean, it starts with our Father, and, and then notice how it goes on to say, us, our, us, our, we, our, us. The whole prayer is in the first person plural. So we pray for ourselves because we need Jesus, and we pray for others because they need Jesus, right? Oh, I love the prayer, too, 
because it's so mission-centered. It reminds us of our mission. It's not all about us. It's about His name. It's about His kingdom. It's about His will. And, and it's about our Father supplying us what we need for that. Um, I also love the Lord's Prayer because it can be used in both, I use it in both a short and a long form. <laughs> both short and long. What I mean, sometimes when I'm overwhelmed with life, it's so great to have a short prayer to pray that I don't have to think of what to say because I know what to say. Uh, what do I mean? I have all kind of fears and phobias. And one of them is claustrophobia. And a few years ago, I had to have a brain MRI. Now, you get a brain MRI, and when they get through, they say, we found nothing. <laughs> and you think, is that good news? Or is that bad news? But I don't like tight spaces, and... I was preaching at the time like Jesus brings us peace. So I didn't want to tell you that and do drugs myself to get in this tube. So they stick me in this tube. Any, you ever had MRI? They say it's high tech. When I'm in there, I'm just convinced I'm a little kid again in a bathtub and my brothers and sisters are clanking on the tub with a hammer. But they put me in this tube and I am just starting to panic. And I'm so thankful I know the Lord's Prayer because immediately I just begin to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, you wouldn't believe the peace that came over me as I simply used the short form of the Lord's Prayer. I have many other fears too that uh, I was doing a wedding in the Keys a few years ago and I'm crossing the Seven Mile Bridge I do pretty good on short bridges. This is seven miles long. You ever feel trapped on a bridge? I was doing pretty good on the bridge till I went up to the top. And then I start coming down. And sometimes when I'm driving, like coming down, I start to panic. You guys say, you're really sick. <laughs> I am. And I am so thankful I drive with Jesus because I'm starting to panic. And I'm so thankful that I know the Lord's Prayer. And in the midst of panicking on the bridge to be able to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be. Oh man, and the peace that came over me was so amazing. So I want you to know sometimes I use the Lord's Prayer in the short form, just like it's written. Because when you're panicked, you don't have time to think about other things. That's very helpful. But I also, in calmer moments, Use the Lord's Prayer as a model to, to pray for my family and to pray for my small group and to pray for our elders and to pray for our church. So instead of explaining it to you, I thought I would just show you. Here's how I pray for you. Let's pray. Our Father who is in heaven, Oh, Father, I pray that everyone in here is able to call you Father. If you're here today and maybe you didn't know that you need to believe in Jesus to become a child of God, and now you don't, won't you believe? Don't you want to be a child of God and not a child of wrath? I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you tell him, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. 
And won't you say, Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, remember what Jesus said, that if we believe we're children of God, won't you mark it on your card we love to celebrate with you or tell someone. It'll make that more real to you. Our Father is, who is in heaven, I pray each of us would know you as Father, and Jesus is our big brother, and we're so thankful, Holy Spirit, you've moved in to us. Hallowed be your name. Oh, Jesus, may your name be exalted this week on our lips. May we have opportunities to tell others about you. And Jesus, this week, or Father, this week, may we love the name of Jesus. We pray that your kingdom would come, not ours, that the gospel of the kingdom would permeate our county and more and more people each day would surrender to King Jesus and enter your kingdom and the gospel would be preached to all the ends of the earth. And Lord, may we live more fully under your rule this week so people could look at us and say, I want to be a part of the kingdom. Oh, Father, I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that our food, our food would be to do your will and to accomplish your work. And Father, as we carry out this great mission, we pray for provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, provide jobs and food and, and healing for your people. And Father, we pray for pardon Forgive us our debts. Listen, if there are things you need to confess, confess them now. As we have forgiven our debtors, and oh, help us to forgive. Help us not to get sidelined by bitterness. And if there are people we need to release, release them now. Father, it's a dangerous mission behind enemy lines, and, and so we pray for protection. Lord, Father, keep us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. The arrogance inside of us that thinks we can run our life better than you, deliver us from that. Deliver us from the pressure of the world to squeeze us. Deliver us from the evil one. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.